the big story uh, this morning is the fact that Manitoba will return to restricted or orange on the pandemic response system tomorrow. But if you're fully vaccinated, you won't notice much difference. However, this does impact you if you're gathering with people who haven't received both shots. Households will only be allowed guests from one other household for private indoor gatherings when any unvaccinated person who's eligible is on the property. Outdoor gatherings at your house will be limited to 10 guests. The same goes for indoor public gathering group sizes, which will be capped at 25 people or 25%, whichever is lower. Outdoor public gatherings will now be capped at 50 people for the southern health region only, Retail capacity will be capped at 50%. And we are heading now, to start the show here, to that southern health region. The mayor of Neverville, Myron Dick, joins us on the phone now. Uh, Mr. Mayor, good morning. Good morning, Hal, and congratulations on your new time slot. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. You think your town, uh, your community has done really well. You're at almost 80, uh, 82% vaccinated, but yet you're in the south, and so these new restrictions obviously impact you uh, different than uh, other areas of the province, and you're calling for an exemption, right? You think that Niverville should be exempt from uh, these restrictions. I, I do, and it's based on this. Um, I don't remember if it was the second wave or the third wave, but um, when Winnipeg was having higher case counts and the rural was not, at that time, Niverville and other members of the capital region were lumped in with Winnipeg and said, no, you're going to have to have the same restrictions as those that have the higher case count. And now with this, it's flipped where we have similar vaccination rates to the city of Winnipeg. But it's like, no, you're not part of us anymore. You're now part of the Southern Health where the vaccination rates in some regions are lower. And so we're just going to lump you in with them. And based on how I read the act that governs health orders, it talks about it should be the least restrictive. And now twice Neverville has been the most restrictive based on how, um, you know, we're being lumped in with the city originally and now with uh, other regions of Southern Health. And so, yes, I have sent out a phone message to Dr. Rusin on Friday and again this morning requesting a meeting whereby we could discuss Neverville being exempt. Mm-hmm. And I guess the big one, uh, which I just mentioned in the intro there, I guess the big one would be uh, that retail capacity would be capped at 50%, right? And and so how much yeah. retail have you got in Niverville? How many businesses would be affected? And I realize it also affects the people of Niverville, but especially the business owners, right? Right. Um, I don't have an exact number other than to say we have an ever-growing business community and this decision really impacts them in, in three ways. Uh, first of all, monetarily, with any business that they might not be able to have as people go elsewhere. Two is with retaining of staff. We know right now Manitoba and Canada is hiring and people are leaving certain sectors because they simply can't have this layoff, hire, layoff cycle. And so there's good people that are like, I need a job where I can know that I have employment on a regular basis. And third is morale. When you've had your staff at the front lines telling people, you know, you need to wear a mask and doing all that, and, and they've been doing their due diligence, and, and then to be told right now that, sorry, you know, you've done your job, but it's not going to be recognized. I mean, how, how can you help but not have uh, low morale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, understood. And and there have been, as I said also at the start of the show, or, or maybe it was at the end of the start uh, with McLean, McGarry, and McNabb, 
you know, there have been inconsistencies throughout all the waves of this pandemic, right? Where somebody goes, hey, wait a minute, this isn't fair to me. Um, uh, do you think they might go along with your idea of an exemption? Because they haven't really done that in the past, have they? They've sort of let these inconsistencies ride and, and for the greater good, you know? Well, yes, and, and you're correct. And I'm not here to judge. It's a, it's a tough job that Dr. Rusin has, and I, I totally respect the person for the decisions that one has to make. But um, I would call it more to, you know, I know he has knowledge of law because he is enacting public health orders based on an act that was written, and it talks about being the least restrictive. And so never mind inconsistencies. I mean, if we're max restrictive before when we're with Winnipeg and now we're max restrictive now based on uh, our other friends and neighbors, you know, to the to the south that have less, uh, less vaccination rates, um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering how someone who understands the law it can be in contravention of that law. Yeah. Well, good luck with it. Let me know what he tells you if you if you hear back from from Dr. Rusin. Why has Niverville done so well when it comes to vaccinations? Is it because a lot of people live there and work in Winnipeg? Why is Niverville? Why have more people in your uh, town gotten vaccinated compared to other communities in the south? You know, I I, I don't have a, an answer for what other communities, but I can speak to our community in that. From just knowing the people that are there, there are very reasonable people. They do their due diligence. They look at things from a position of knowledge, uh, exercise a little bit of wisdom and maybe even some prayer in with it uh, to make their decisions, whether it be for something or not for something. And I think there's just an understanding that we need to look out for one another. Um, we need to protect one another. You know, we we believe in, you know, trying to just be a good a good civilian individual, much like and what Manitoba is, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. We had uh, Premier Gertzen on uh, this morning here on CJOB, and, and Loren McNabb asked him a lot about enforcement. Uh, I, I think that's key as well. What would you say about enforcement? Some of these, it's going to be pretty difficult to enforce some of these new restrictions that kick in tomorrow. No, I, I can certainly appreciate the challenges there, and I know that uh, I've, I've heard the mayor of Morden and Winkler and mm-hmm. some others uh, speak to that. What I would say in terms of what it, what's happening with Niverville is that, you know, we as municipal leaders are being asked to be advocates for the vaccine to try and incentivize people to go and get it. And when you have over 80 percent and then you find out that with these, this health order that starts tomorrow that it doesn't matter, um, you talk about enforcement. I've been cut off at the knees in terms of authority. How can I look my business sector and my residents in the eye when they tell me, see, it doesn't matter anyway? What am I supposed to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, uh, Mayor uh, Dick, thank you very much for this. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hell, all the best. My, you bet. Uh, same to you. Myron Dick is the mayor of Niverville. His town, he thinks, should be exempt from these new restrictions that we have been talking about now for a few days since on uh on Friday, when they were announced, he, uh, his community, his his people have been vaccinated uh, almost 82 percent, fully vaccinated, and so he doesn't think uh, that this is uh, is fair. Kayla Evans, Global News Weather Specialist, come on in here. I'll tell you the numbers that we can get right. 25 today, 27 tomorrow, 27 on Wednesday, and sunshine. This second summer is continuing. Oh, isn't this just incredible? Almost unbelievable. It was one of those mornings where I triple-checked the numbers. 
to make sure that, yeah, we're going to really be at 10 to 15 degrees above normal for this time in October. You know what? I, I pulled up one of the forecasts that I look at. I look at several. I pulled up one forecast, and it says uh, uh, upper 20, mid-20s today, upper 20s tomorrow, Wednesday, upper 20s, mid to upper 20s on Thursday. But then Friday, a little cooler, some cloud, and then into the weekend, 16, 17, and it looks like those upper teens will continue into next week. If that forecast is right, that's more normal, still a little above normal for temperatures, because I think the normal right around now is, what, 14 degrees? Yeah, 12, 13, 14 here in the south. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, this might be, I guess my point is, this might be the last week of this second summer that we've been enjoying. Well, my top three favorite models are saying exactly what you just mentioned. Yeah, we're looking at... uh, a really deep upper trough, which is going to slightly drop things a little bit this weekend, like you mentioned, mid to upper teens. Um, But we're really not expecting to hit those normal or average temperatures of around 12 or 13 until next Thursday and Friday. Um, But that kind of follows the pattern because a lot of the winter outlooks were saying that the rest of fall and winter is actually looking, uh, quote, near normal or just slightly above normal. So we seem to be following that pattern so far this year. And here's the hard part for me, Kayla. Jackie and I were up at the lake, and it was our last weekend staying at the lake. We may go up again if the weather's nice, because I'm meeting my plumber up there this week, and we're going to put it to bed for the winter, right? We have a three-season cottage. And so last year, the weather also was pretty nice late, and I pushed it, right? And as hard, I, I mean, I can't believe I'm reading a forecast, sunny in 27, and I'm talking about closing my cottage in the next couple of days. But when it does change, it can change quickly, right? right? Oh, absolutely. Even, well, across the prairies, this same system uh, that's bringing us a slight bit of a cool down on Friday could actually bring snow to parts of northern Alberta, like towards Fort Mac. They could see up to 10, 15 centimeters of snow. So it it changes so fast, especially here, but really all across the prairies. Well, listen, Kayla, I realize you're not responsible for the forecast. You simply deliver it. But I'm sure uh, people are really loving Kayla Evans with uh, forecasts like this. Sunny and 25 today, 27, 27 on uh, tomorrow and again on Wednesday. Thanks a lot for this. Thank you. Take care. Global News weather specialist Kayla Evans. Man, this is, uh, this is incredible stuff. And, and it, listen, it's not unheard of. But it is, uh, it is kind of uh, uh, rare, right, uh, to be seeing certainly into October and to see temperatures of, you know, 27 degrees in the sunshine. Like when, when I'm, I'll be honest with you, when I'm done the show today at noon, uh, when, you're, uh, when Camp Poitras is saying hi to you on, on jets at noon, I'm going to be on the deck. I'm going to be on the deck with a cold drink enjoying sunshine and, uh, and mid-20s, no question about it. <music> Right now, I want to talk about the um, uh, these labor shortages. We've talked uh, locally, and we've heard right across the country and around the world that there are labor shortages that uh, businesses are having to deal with. Pierre Clairot is the chief economist at the Business Development Bank of Canada, and he joins us on the phone now. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Boy, you guys have done a study at the BDC that shows that these labor issues are really hurting small businesses. Yes, they are. If, uh, more than 50% of small business uh, are limiting their growth because they cannot find enough people to work for them. And what about here on the prairies? Is it worse on the prairies, worse in Manitoba? 
Well, it's about the same as uh, in Canada. The um, uh, the two regions where it's more difficult, it's Quebec and also uh, British Columbia. Uh, for the prairies, it's about the average uh, that we see in Canada. But very acute in rural areas, correct? Yes, it is. And it's more difficult to find people in rural areas. There's two reasons for that. A lot of people are leaving the rural area to go to major cities. And also, typically, immigrants, they stop in major cities. They don't go too much in um, in the rural area. So across the country, in every province, it's more difficult to recruit if you are located in a rural area. And so we know this is hurting small business. What is that doing to the economy, the local economies? Well, it's actually slowing down the recovery. We, we have a recovery right now after a recession last year. And the economy is quite, is, it's performing quite well, but it's actually slowing down because of the lack of, uh, of, of workers. So this is, this, why, this is the reason why it's very important for business to take the right action. Because first of all, this issue is, is here to stay. It's not going to go away in a few months. It's because of the aging population. So we are going to stuck with that problem for a while. So it's important to take long-term solution uh, to make sure that we are able to continue to grow our business and also our economy. And not only is it difficult to get people to work, but people who are working are leaving their jobs as well, right? Talk about that. Well, there's, uh, people are shifting because there's a lot of opportunities. So that's what we realize. Uh, there's 20% of Canadians who lost their job that mo- moved to another job, another sector of the economy, mm-hmm. because, for example, they find a better job. So that's what happened when you have a lot of opportunities. Uh, some sectors will have more difficulties than others to uh, retain and find workers. You know, it's almost like the engine is revving and it's ready to go, but it just can't quite get into gear. So what do businesses here in Manitoba and right across the country have to do to try and deal with this problem? Are there any solutions? Well, there's a number of solutions. There's no easy solution, unfortunately. Immigration is is part of the solution, but that's not the only solution. Investing in technology is also a proven uh, solution. Businesses who are investing in technology to replace some tasks inside the business and to reduce their need for workers to actually do better than, than others. Also, uh, revising your total compensation package, which uh, it's much broader than just salary. People are looking for flexibility. They, look, they, they want to work uh, part of the week from home. So if you are, as a business, able to give more flexibility, um, uh, so if you are able to increase the compensation that you offer, that will help. And finally, we find that um, a lot of business doesn't have, they don't have uh, the uh, formal um, process to hire people, and that's hurting them. Hmm. Because if you don't have a job description, if you don't advertise on social media where a lot of young people are looking for a job, well, you're not as visible as you should be and uh, in this very competitive world for talent right now. So maybe that was okay before, and you were successful before, but in this new context, you will have to market your business much more to attract talent. 
And what responsibility does government have here after this pandemic when it finally comes to an end? We know pandemics eventually end. This will end. What about investing in business, the businesses that have remained, that have survived, investing in them? What do we do for them to make sure that they can have a long history, a, a, a bright future? I agree with you. I think uh, government should invest uh, in business, help businesses to invest, especially in technology, because uh, we see since the pandemic that investing in technology is a big part of the success. Mm-hmm. But also this should help people to retrain, because um, on the job market have changed since the pandemic. Uh, everybody needs to work more with technology. Some uh, Canadians need some support, some help to retrain that way. So government will have a big role to play. And then ultimately, we need to support local business, small business in our community, right? Definitely. And it's uh, actually during the pandemic, Canadians has been very good to support local mm-hmm. businesses. And they, they need to continue to do that because the, the, the pandemic has been very difficult for business. 76% of businesses are profitable now, but half of them are still struggling because although they are profitable, uh, it's a very difficult business environment. There's a shortage of labor, but also prices are increasing. Um, supply chain are, you know, diff- there's uh, difficulties with the supply chain. So it's a very bumpy road right now. Pierre, thank you for your time. Thank you. Pierre Clairot is the chief economist at the Business Development Bank of Canada. On Mondays after the 11.30 news, we're going to talk to Global News anchor Lisa Dutton. And Lisa joins us on the phone now. Hi, Lisa. Hey, are you getting into the new routine? Yeah, not yes. Thank you for asking. Yes, I'm, I'm kind of getting, you know, I, as I said to Heather Steele, uh, you know, my boss, you know Heather well. She, of course, used to do what you do. Uh, yeah. Now I said, you know, just I just got to get comfortable. I got to feel good, and then we'll tweak, and, you know, then we'll hit high gear. But, yeah, it's going, it's going well, and, and I appreciate, as I told you, already uh, a week ago thanks a lot for doing this so you had a birthday at your place on the weekend tell me about it yeah it was uh it was my youngest son's eighth birthday and wow. uh, i think it was just sort of you know a realization for me we we all had a pandemic birthday right and i think everybody thought oh this is the year that you know my birthday is during a pandemic and now we're all like, oh, now we're going into year two of the <laughs> pandemic birthday. Right. So, you know, I really just wanted to, because you, you can't do much for the kids, or you couldn't do much for the kids last year, um, mm-hmm. obviously, with getting people together. But, you know, you're kind of realizing now that this isn't a year of their little lives. This is going to be the better part of their childhood. So it's kind of finding ways to allow them to to still be kids and, and still, you know, stay in the rules and, and keep things safe. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You know, for me, mm-hmm. uh, at my age, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm happy not to have to celebrate a birthday or exactly. maybe downplay <laughs> it or, or, you know, uh, yeah, we won't yeah. do anything this year. Uh, but for an eight-year-old, I mean, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And, you know, you, you miss the seventh birthday and, you know, you're trying to do something for the eighth because you don't know what's in store for the ninth at the rate things are going right now. And 
through the pandemic, the days have been so long for parents. And there's that saying, um, the days are long, but the years are short. And it just rings so true to me right now, because while those days of, you know, home learning and, and nothing to do seem really long, you're also like, oh my goodness, we're now 18 months, 19 months. Like their childhood is, is, is sort of slipping away. You know, you have mm-hmm. that feeling, yeah. oh, they've missed a year of their sports or whatever it might be. So it is just really finding those opportunities to be as normal as possible. You know, early in the pandemic, we said, well, kids are resilient. I'm glad we're not mm-hmm. saying that very much anymore, or it doesn't yeah. seem like we're saying it as much anymore. Because, yeah, kids are resilient. But you know what? This is something that none of us have ever seen before. How are your kids managing uh, through all of this, Lisa? You know what? I think overall, uh, I'm happy to say that they're they're doing really well. But we're the type of family, like we're an outgoing family. We like to do stuff. There's a lot of people whose kids have, you know, really enjoyed hunkering down. There's kids who enjoy home learning. Um, mine don't. But I will admit, it it does kind of annoy me when people say, "Kids are resilient. Kids don't mind wearing masks. Kids don't mind doing this. They do it." And I, I think a lot of them do mind, you know, a lot of them do feel like they're missing out. And, and uh, I, I don't like brushing it off like it's not a big deal because, you know, it is. This, these are, these mm-hmm. are, it's going on to be a long time now, right? Yeah, right. And I don't think we know, I, I, listen, I think COVID, the, the pandemic may come to an end, but for many years in many areas, we will look back and say, oh, wow, that really had an impact. And yes, kids are resilient. Kids are fantastic. Probably better at handling this stuff than us, than, than adults. But I do yeah. worry about the long-term impact. And you're right. You made a really good point at the start that this is, yeah, a year and a half. But a year and a half out of eight years or seven years mm. is pretty significant, right? It is. And I, I think I, I envision my kids growing up and, and kind of saying like, oh, they were COVID kids. You know, they're the kids that grew up washing their mm-hmm. hands every five minutes and wearing masks everywhere. And I do think it, at least for a period of time, they definitely will be wired a little differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wanted to talk to you about whether we're going to get to the zipper merge. People are already texting and emailing about the <laughs> zipper merge. So we're going to talk to Lisa about the zipper merge. I'm saving the best for last. The weather, Jackie and I were at the cottage on the weekend, and it's our final weekend. We will go up again if the weather stays nice, but we won't stay. You know, we're putting the cottage to bed for the winter this week. I'm going up to meet the plumber. And it was sad, you know, all day yesterday uh-huh. as we were sort of thinking about coming home, it was, oh. Uh, but this weather, I mean, you talk about families and being able to do stuff. I mean, weather like this, this is this is crazy. There's lots you can do, right, in October. There really is. And even just the simplest of things, you know, you go for a simple walk and you look around you. This city right now, it's like it's not even real life. Things are so picturesque and so beautiful. <laughs> I noticed, too, a lot of people are leaving around the Winnipeg rocks. Have you ever found or made a Winnipeg rock? I, I know what you're talking about. I have not found one, but yes, I know ex- this is where somebody paints a rock and leaves it, yeah. right? Yeah, you just paint a rock and leave it for somebody else to find. And I, I just feel like there's so many of them out right now, and kids especially, they get such a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. It's a cool time of the year. We were watching the geese on the lake on the weekend, and you know they're getting ready to head out. And the leaves are so colorful. We've got one tree in our yard. I don't know what I, I got. I think it's a 
a maple tree of some kind, some type of maple tree, and it's got bright red leaves. The yeah. green leaves turn bright red in the fall. I mean, fall is just such a beautiful time of the year. And boy, when, as I said, you know, I'm 21 minutes away from sitting on my deck and having a cold drink and enjoying this weather. It's uh, really unheard of. And we're going to talk about the weather in a second here with my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, and we talked with Global News Weather Specialist Kayla Evans earlier. Okay, zipper merge. <laughs> People are, yeah. are weighing in. Somebody said, come on, Hal, Winnipeggers have to learn merge before they can learn zipper merge, <laughs> I, which is a good point. Councilors Gillingham and Allard want to put more signs up, and I think signs are a good idea. Loren McNabb from the start is really pushing the zipper merge hard, and, and I think if Winnipeggers are reminded with a sign, oh, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. they'll be less territorial, you know, but you were in yeah. Saskatoon when they brought it in there. Yeah, and, and I just, I wanted to mention this to you because I, I saw this all, you know, kind of come back to life last week. When we mm-hmm. were living in Saskatoon, they started zipper merging, and it took a while to get people on board, and they actually had to um, do like an explainer article in the paper. They did one for roundabouts too, just teaching right. people this is yeah. the concept. People aren't budding. We're utilizing the second lane as long as possible. And then we're taking turns, right? Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I go between whether people are just kind of, you know, not wanting to get on board or if they just don't understand. And one example, real quick, Hal, you know the dual lane drive throughs Yes. Okay, so I was in one a couple weeks ago, and I got edged out in the dual lane drive through Like, I had clearly ordered first and was inching up, and this woman just, you know, she did the, the stair straight forward, plow right through, like, I don't see you, this isn't happening. Right. And so I happened to mention it on my social media, and overwhelmingly people were like, it drives me nuts. But this one guy messaged, he said, I brought it up on my phone here. I always try and order as fast as I can and drive off before my order is even confirmed just to beat the guy beside me (laughs) who's clearly ahead of me. If you snooze, you lose. And it it just (laughs) sort of made me realize, you know, there's that guy. He's not going to be on board with the zipper merge. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably right. But you know what? But as you were talking about the drive-through two double lanes and and merge – People are real. I find I'm surprised to hear you say that there was that incident because I find people are way more polite in the double lane <laughs> drive-through than they are on the streets of Winnipeg. Right? It's like, yeah, no, I know you're ahead of me. Go ahead. You know, even if they're ahead of you, and it takes a while to confirm your order or whatever. And they're like, no, no, you know, that's you. You go I ahead. Think- I know it's. I know it's your turn. So boy, we need some of that in in traffic. I don't know. I think the zipper merge is a great idea. Will it ever catch? Somebody else said, Hal, you know what? When somebody's in the zipper line and they've got their signal line on, fine. I'll let them in with the signal on. But if they don't have their signal on, no way. And I'm like, well, this is part of the problem, you know. I think in the drive-through, it all hinges on on hanger. It depends how hangry you are if you yeah. want to get through and get that order. But I'm telling you, the zipper merge, it's it's a good thing. We just mm-hmm. got to explain it and get everybody on board, and, and it'll really get things moving quicker. I, I, I don't uh, work from home. I'm driving to work every day, and it is so bad right now, Hal. So mm. bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the benefits of me still being here at the home studio. Hey, Lisa, <laughs> thanks a lot. Have a great day. You too. Happy Monday. You too. Yeah. Global News anchor Lisa Dutton. She'll join us every Monday morning after the 1130 News.